Welcome back to Soul of a Warrior. This is your host, Morgan Pate. Today I'm here with Colleen Sheen. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Morgan. Yeah, no problem. So I met Colleen um, several years ago. She was actually my boss. Yeah, that was um, a really fun time, I would say. It was right before the pandemic hit. We were kind of like just two crazy girls working at this storage unit <laughs> facility. It was so much fun, though. We had a lot of fun, and it was, like, so cool to come to work every day and just, like, have someone just to talk to. It was. Yeah, it was good. It's, uh, it was like we, we had that switch of professionalism. You know, when someone came in the door, it's like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except for, you know, there were definite times, like, I don't know how far I can, you want me to go. You go things, ahead. Yeah. But, there was a specific time um, you'd have to know how the office was kind of set up but you could hear the activity in the restrooms pretty <laughs> loudly <laughs> and um, we had this one gentleman um, had to go pretty bad and um, let's just say it, pre- it echoed pretty loudly and wasn't he didn't he like say you know make a comment like in there you could hear him being like whoa <laughs> He's like, oh, Lord, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes out, and of course, you've got, like, Morgan and myself sitting there behind his desk. like <laughs> Looking at him. And then Morgan, like, hands him, like, some air freshener. <laughs> and then he, like, popped his head out. Y'all got some air freshener? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh. So, I think for such a boring job, we were able to make it really fun and um, we had started making some like TikTok videos that were definitely creative, you know. Um, and we would just have fun um, cleaning the hallways, you know. Ghostbusters songs. That's Addie in the background there. Morgan that's got a little too close. <laughs> watching me. Yeah. I, yeah, that was the the woman uh, that lived in her storage unit. Connie. Connie. That was a strange. I still don't understand. Like, she'd she'd roll up in the back of the car and always be chauffeured around. Yeah. And uh, they, like, pretty much blatantly lived out of their unit. And, like, we had never dealt with anything like that before. So we kind of turned a blind eye um, for a while. And then they just kind of disappeared. And then... Um, it went to auction, and then we had to get it open, and we saw an opportunity to um, have a little fun. <laughs> that was, it was cool. Cool. It was interesting to see how someone lived in the storage unit, like what yeah. they were doing. Yeah. They, I mean, they had a, the bed, they had a table with, like, food. and They like, were pretty creative, though. Yeah, they built, like, this wall that you couldn't see. And they had, like, a mirror in the corner so, like, they she, could see people come in. Yeah. And, like, it was, like, a car, uh, like, a car drink holder that they were using on the bed for, like, cigarette butts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Piss jugs. Piss jugs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after you had moved along from Prime, um, we had, like, the homeless issue just blew up out of control really and we were finding you know tons of units people were living in um lots of piss jugs lots of needles and heroin needles Mm. god knows what else it became like a really like dark kind of place to work there was just so much like addiction and i would have people that would rent units and then park their car in there overnight because it felt safe for them and then I would get there in the morning, do lock check on the golf cart, you know, and they would be passed out, just slumped over in their, like, front seat. And I've ha- I had to call EMS and stuff like that. Whoa. It just became, like, a little too loaded. Um, that's, that's wild. Yeah. What's crazy is it's, it's right next door to the jail, too, in the halfway house. Yeah, like- I think that's what drew a lot of the attraction there because, you know, people could go do their... UAs or BAs or whatever, um, or I don't know, <laughs> like it was just all right there. This little hub of like, like um, crime and homelessness. 
I, I felt bad for the man um, with the little dog. Oh, what was his name? Cur- Curtis. 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 He lived in a five by five with a little like Yorkie, and he wasn't like good. You know, like he was a good person, you know. And I don't know what his situation was, but he had a job, and he he lived or he worked on the corner at that hardware store. Okay. And like um, I don't know, I can't remember what it's called, but. He'd walk, um, so he'd, he'd sleep, and before we, we would get there, he'd go to work, and then after we closed, he'd come, he'd walk back. But he would leave that dog in that he'd unit. Leave. Yeah. That's the heartbreaking yeah. part for me. Um, and that dog never made a peep. No. It was so sad. And then, like, months later, you know, I would still see him walking with that dog, and he always, like carried that thing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um what was that other one that we found with all the needles it was like one of the five by ten long ways inside ten by fives yeah there are people in there smoking yeah so it's just kind of crazy to see how fort collins has um progressed with homelessness and drug use and over the years i've lived here for 17 years now um, so it's, it's a long time. Yeah. It is. It's been quite a change. And it's almost to the fact it's like, am I still happy in Fort Collins? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just grown so much. Um, things change quite a bit. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. That's what I moved here because it was the number one city in the country that had, like, the highest, um, like, well-being or... or, or um, happiest like people yeah and there's like healthiest and like like quality of life the best quality of life Fort Collins I'm like but I'm like in reality I don't really think that it's different from anywhere else no it's like the grass isn't you know greener on the other side being like water your own yeah um yeah I think we've been infiltrated by a lot of you know like um, grandiose ideas of like, oh, this is a great place to live mm-hmm. and bike. I'm like, I wouldn't bike on our streets. Mm-mm. I'm so scared to get ran over. Like, I had many years ago, probably five years ago, I had this little scooter, and I know you have your motorcycle mm-hmm. now, and you're so brave for that girl. But I had like a little Hondo Metropolitan scooter, and I loved that thing. But I felt like I couldn't really take it anywhere because I was just so scared of the other traffic, and mm-hmm. I ended up selling it. But, um, What's life like on your bike? It's it's fun, but I never really understood the feedback I got prior to getting a motorcycle. Like, I was always, hey, I, I, I really want a motorcycle. And people are like, oh, you don't want one. You're going to get hit. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm a pretty good driver. I'll be fine. Um, it's not you. It's everyone else. Exactly. And it's people people don't see you people just don't pay attention and the countless people i drive past that aren't even looking at the road it scares the shit out of me because it head down i'm like dude i am on a motorcycle and i'm looking at you and you're you don't even know that i'm here right you know and like they don't when when they're coming out of a like a street and they're taking a a right hand turn they don't look to see if a car is coming they just pull out and like Eddie's getting comfortable and she's putting her foot on him. Yeah. It's like she can do that, but you can't touch her. Like, Maybe if I do this, you'll get comfortable. Or I'll get comfortable with you. Oh, yeah. She's. <laughs> <laughs> that is Addie. She's funny. But yeah, so um, what what has your experiences been like? How did you get here? Um, real interesting. Um, I can like do the short and sweet or I can the long, like nitty gritty. Tell me everything. Okay. I'll do my best. There's just so many details and you know, after time they all kind of get jumbled up to some extent. Um, but essentially, um, I was born and raised until I was about 10, 11 in, um, the state of New York. Never have I been to New York city. I mean, I was a country New York girl. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was addicted to heroin, and um, my dad lived in upstate New York, 
and um, I remember it was a couple days before Halloween one year I was in fourth grade and um, my mom used to disappear for days and days and um, she would go to New York City and sell heroin um, well, anyway, she came back in a rage one night, and we had, like, bathed ourselves as little kids. We had made ourselves chicken noodle soup, and we were sitting around the coffee table eating, and she comes in out of the blue and just flips the coffee table over, calls my dad, who's in upstate New York, and she's like, you better come get these kids before I kill them. And that's, like, such a hard memory to have, you know? Like, we knew that my mom was not doing good things. Um, but as a kid, you don't like really understand, but you still have like an intuition when you know something feels wrong and bad. Yeah. And, um, so within a couple days of that happening, I remember my dad had came down and he had a U-Haul and it was literally on Halloween night and, um, my dad took his trick or treating. Um, my three, uh, siblings that I both have the same mom and dad, Shannon, uh, me and then there's DJ. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad took us um, back to upstate New York. I have a little half brother, Robert. At that time, he um, he ended up staying behind because he wasn't my dad's um, kid. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, we live with my dad in upstate New York for some time, and um, you know, I have like really fond memories of that time. My dad was a recovering alcoholic, um, and he. I don't know really, I mean, what to attribute to why he started drinking again. Maybe it was a stress of having three crazy kids. Um, I don't know. But he had started drinking again, and I remember vividly. He would still have us um, involved in, like, me and my sister were cheerleaders. We were fat little chubby cheerleaders that couldn't do cartwheels. So, like, we were just, like, all the other girls were cartwheeling it, and we were going, yeah, just, like, lifting up our arms, like, just trying to, like, Mm woohoo, jump up and down, something like that, you know? Um, And my little brother played peewee, but my dad always was drunk driving us around everywhere, you know, like, to practice or to this or to that. Um, And, like, at first it it was fun. It was like, ooh, fun dad, you know? And then after a while it became, like, this isn't fun anymore. It doesn't feel like stable, you know? Yeah. Um, my dad was really selfish too. Like we would go, um, like on the weekends to Saratoga Springs, which was a little bit outside of, um, where we, um, were living in, um, Gansford, New York. Mm -hmm. And, um, there they had a big racetrack, which is pretty famous or whatever. So we'd go watch the races and my dad would be betting, and he'd be, like, eating a hot dog, you know? And, like, us kids wouldn't be, like, having anything to eat, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that where it was, like, we were just kind of lugged around. Um, I remember one year for, I don't, I can't remember if it was my birthday or my sister's, but, like, what we got for, for our birthday was a camel cigarette t-shirt because my dad got it from buying a pack of cigarettes they win them yeah yeah (laughs) and that was like one of our gifts one year um but yeah so like it came to a point where my dad started like chatting online and it was like when AOL you've got Mm -hmm. mail Mm -hmm. and he uh, started chatting it up with this lady in Illinois named Carla and she had came to visit um us in New York and it was like within a couple months my dad had gotten this like huge settlement because he was riding his motorcycle to work and a ladder fell on him on the highway and he won like $100,000 or something crazy like okay. um, so like my dad picks us up moves us from New York to Illinois um, there where he has all this money this new like girlfriend and she has three kids and like I like that was the first time I feel like in my life that I was like really really depressed like, my dad was rejecting me and, like, giving the other children, like, her kids more, like, affection and, like, attention and stuff. And I just felt alone. I was in a new place. I had nobody. I just didn't deal with it very well like my other siblings did. Mm-hmm. Um, his alcoholism progressed to where um, it got to a place where him and Carla, would, like, no longer were together. And I think it just spun out of control to where my dad, like, he 
this is what he tells me, you know, like, I don't really know. But he's like, I went to social services to get help because I needed help taking care of you guys. And then they took you away from me. And I remember, I remember what happened. Like we were running crazy, like as kids Um, at this time. My dad would, like, stay up all night in the middle of the night just blaring music and, like, rocking out. Like, we had to go to school in the morning. He'd just be pissed drunk, you know. Um, But it was, like, on a weekend night, and um, my dad had a new girlfriend at this time, and I was at some random person's house. I couldn't even tell you. Just tons of kids, just tons of bad stuff going on, you know. Partying and drinking. I I was probably 13, you know, yeah. like I should never have been where I was. Mm-hmm. Anyways, she tracks me down and I, she's like, I need you to come home right now. So I get home and there's like a social worker and cops in the house. And they're like, you guys have to pack a bag and come with us. And um, like at that point, I knew what was happening. Like my mom, my birth mother, when I was a kid, like little kid would always threaten us with, I'm going to send you off to social services. Mm-hmm. And like, it would never happen and then here I am being taken you know I was threatened and now it's like happening you know it was like very twisted and weird and I I just remember having to like here's your you know um black plastic bag pack it up so they split up my sister from my brother and I so me and my sorry I said that wrong me and my sister were put in a home together and my brother a separate one and it's like kind of a lot all over the place um, from there as far as like just being thrown from house to house. Some some houses you feel like you're just a slave, you know, you're mm-hmm. doing all the housework and mm-hmm. you're just a paycheck, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, the last foster home I was in, I they adopted me when I was 17, and um, that's how I moved to Colorado essentially. And I don't have a relationship with them to this day. Um, they were kind of like another crash and burn rejected parent type situation. Um, and I just decided like, I don't need that in my life and I just, I don't want anything to do with them. Um, but they brought me out here to Colorado and I had graduated high school early. I was working full time and then going to school at night. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember getting home one day in between like work and I had a little bit of period before I went to school and there was a note on my bed and it said you know you are determined to live your own life we want you to move out and like I they have just brought me out here to Colorado I probably just turned 18 um and I was just like so devastated and it was because I wore pink toenail polish because they were like very 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 um strict into Pentecostal um, religion, Mm -hmm. which I am still a part of that today, but I, I see it in a whole different light, but that's kind of like a whole other story. Right. Um, But yeah, um, I had to dress in skirts, couldn't cut my hair, no makeup, you know, Mm -hmm. no toenail polish, fingernail polish, you know, and nothing of the sort. Um, I remember like in PE class um, in high school, Carol, my foster mother who ended up adopting me, she had made a, a skirt out of sweatpants. And it was like long and down to the ground and it was just awful and like kids would make fun of me and like ask me if I was a pilgrim and like you know all this stuff and uh that's traumatic. It was just like that's traumatic because you're already you have so much trauma already. Yeah. And here you are, you're different. You're an outcast now. Yeah. yeah. I'm an outcast now and like my self-worth was just down the drain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so I ended up, you know, the the people in my life that are still in my life to this day are my pastor and his wife, Scott and Nancy McDonald. Um, you know, that's kind of a complex situation all in of itself because of me, you know, I have like this push and pull with people that I care about because I don't want to get too close because it'll hurt me. And, um, which it's all very self-sabotaging behavior. It it really stinks to be in that cycle, Mm -hmm. um, with people that, you know, love you and you love them too, but you're just like trained to like resist and like love hurts. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, it does, you know. So they took me in. Shortly after that, I kindled an online relationship myself with my first husband, who is my ex-husband. He was from India. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it was like, uh, if I'm not going to have people that love me, I'm going to find someone who loves me. And no, he did not love me. He loved the fact that I was from America and I could get him a green card. <laughs> I mean, and I was so naive, Morgan. Like, I really believe this man loved me. I quit college. I dropped my life here in Fort Collins, got married to this guy I had met one time in person, and moved to Maryland with no, like, plan. I didn't know where I was going to live when I got there. I was, like, he didn't have a car or anything. I had this crappy old white Chrysler Sebring thing. And, like, I just remember pulling out of freaking Fort Collins in that car. It was all packed down, you know? And it was... You're ready. You're... I mean, like, I was, like, brave mm-hmm. but dumb. Like, it was not smart. Um, and it just, it really like takes me back to like how, like I've always made really impulsive decisions and I think it's like out of a fight or flight or a fear or, you know, I don't know really what it is, but man, it hasn't served me well. Sometimes it has to be like, be able to have that moment of being like brave and you're on to a new adventure. Like when I was younger, that was totally me, Mm -hmm. but now I'm like. I've lived in this house for eight years. Mm-hmm. I like to be stable, even though I'm not really good at being stable at the same time. So, yeah, um, I'm sorry. I'm a little all over the place. No, I, I'm <laughs> laughing because I, I relate to you so much in that way. Yeah. I Yeah, I get it. I get it. And it's, it's fun in the moment, and it's like an adventure, but you're rebellious at the same time, and oh, you're, yeah. it's a big F you to the people. I that went against every, everyone was like, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, they, like, supported me. They told me no, but they're like, okay, if you're gonna do it, okay. Um, so, yeah, I, like, married Sunny. And, like, I do think that there was some love there. Yeah. There was some, but I think that his end goal was not to, like, be married to me forever mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it's like a hard pill to swallow like when you really feel like you you loved somebody um and you know that you were just like basically used um more hurt yeah more hurt you yeah and then it's like how like how stupid you know like it it was a lot of reflection of just like where I was mentally really hiding it for a lot of time being strong like always just trying to be confident and like pick up my life and be like yeah I came from this really crappy place but look at me I'm doing good finally someone sees my worth yeah but no (laughs) so yeah like um we ended up moving back to Colorado uh, we were going to build a house um, down on, like, where Old River Thompson Ranch is, mm-hmm. like, off I-25 in Johnstown there. Okay. Man, if we would have had built that house and followed through, because yeah. I have a hard time following through, um, like, it would be worth a lot of money right now if I, like, if, if like, certain things in my life would have taken a different course. Yeah. But, like, we were pre-approved. We had everything going out. We had a lot picked out. We had everything down to the door handles picked that we wanted, you know? And um, he he goes to India to visit his family, comes back with his cousin. I have no clue with why is this other person showing up now with my husband. And he's like, I've got my job transferred back to Maryland and I'm going. And at that point I was like, I'm not going. Like I was really deeply depressed in, in Maryland. Like after I got there, I was... Yeah. I, I had nobody. I didn't really make a lot of friends or a couple of people that I had met through, like, work that were, you know, I was, like, bonding with and stuff and forming a relationship, but it just wasn't right. And, um, you know, the fact that he just made that decision without telling me. And, like, we were building a house and, like, you know, all this stuff and it happened at a really unfortunate time too because I wasn't working I was going to school we had decided that I would go to school 
and you know he would work while I did that and um like two weeks after he left my car got repoed <laughs> like so yeah it was just kind of but like back then I, I just picked myself up and I just like I was able to like much more smoothly transition from like okay this is like a rough time into like okay let's like make it better and like it's okay as to where I now I feel like in my life I've had so many of these like series of unfortunate events that I'm just tired yeah I'm tired yeah. you know it's not easy to bounce back like it was before um, how old are you right now 34 okay 34 there's a lot of people that feel like that I I got your age I feel like I've I have another friend that says something similar, different situation, but like similar. Like I am done. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, and then the story just it just goes and goes from there, and I won't get into every little thing because not all of it's super super duper significant, even though it had some sort of effect on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, just unhealthy relationships with men. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, just being used, um, whether it was physically, emotionally, as a rebound, um, financially, you know, I was like always putting myself out there because I'm like, if I do these things, they'll love me. Mm -hmm. And like, that just never happened. And every time that I would put so much of myself into these men, I was just losing so much of me, my identity, which I was, I've already confused of was who I, you know, who I've been my entire life. Um, but yeah, that it was like entangled and complicated it that much worse. And then you start picking up other people's deals. And I had, um, had this friend who was like more than a friend, but like it was, it would never ever go anywhere same as Ryan and uh you know like we were really 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 inseparable Mm -hmm. um and like we messed around you know sexually Mm -hmm. um but it was more just like we were kind of it was almost like a soulmate thing but like but he he really betrayed me um and I just knew in my spirit that it was him but I think I I was in denial and didn't want to believe it and um, I have been doing really great at this point in my life. Um, I was probably 27, 28, 29, somewhere in there. And um, I had a really good job. My mental health felt, I felt like at an all-time high. Physically, mm-hmm. I had lost over 120 pounds. That's amazing. No surgery. I was just driven. I did. I was just, like, starting to become the person that I always, like, saw myself being independent you know the whole nine yards and I get entangled with this guy and um it starts taking like from being like a really light hearted fun um relationship into like this really dark and toxic like you know him being really vengeful and um he had um broken my phone like he threw it off I had just got a new iPhone 7 and we were out drinking one night and I was dropping him off and I had gotten upset because he's out here you know hanging out with me but he's like texting other girls and like that you know you're drinking you're emotional like so like he ran all the way up to the third story of his apartment and just threw my phone runs in his house I mean and, and it's shattered beyond belief and um, I'm like knocking on the door and he's like, I'm calling the cops. The cops are like, he like so gaslighted me into thinking like I did something wrong. Yeah. Even though I was wrong for being upset and like trying to look at his phone and that kind of thing. Like I was definitely wrong for that. Um, and it was just kind of like after that, it just turned into just such a weird thing and he became creepy. I felt like. And, um, like, I would just be getting home, and I would get a text from him, and it would be like, have a good night over there. He lives a couple blocks away, or he used to, for the longest time. We only lived a couple blocks from each other. He was watching your location? It felt like it. 
it really felt like it. And then one day, like, I had, I had stopped talking, like, having communications with him, basically, after something really, like, I'm getting this story jumbled. Let me restart. My little brother, DJ, had came to live with me. I had given him a place to stay. At this point, I had two cars, so I let him drive my trailblazer so he could try to find work. I was supporting him. Whatever. Like, I just wanted to see him succeed. Absolutely. And um, I was willing to do what I needed to do to help him. Him and Ryan ended up having some, some sort of friendship. I don't even know to what extent, but I can tell you my little brother, you know, he's he's just kind of different in certain ways, and he's really hard for me to read. But I'm at work, and I get a text from my brother, and he's like, I just got home, and the door was just wide open. And, like, I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, well, first thing I ask, you know, is Addie still in the house? He's like, oh, yeah, she's just laying on your bed. Um, okay. And I'm like, so I get home, and I'm looking to make sure my guns are still here, my laptop, you know, yeah. like my valuable things you would think if someone was breaking your house, they would take coincidentally during that time my former roommate was moving out so she was um she had a lot of living room stuff and so she just moved it into her room so like i could start accumulating furniture and stuff so she, she had a little tv in her room and like days later like on a on the monday and that had happened on a thursday lisa comes home and she goes into her room because she hadn't been home since then and she's like my tv's missing and it was just like really weird situation and i'm like well the door got left open this and that well i asked my brother i straight up was like dj did you take that tv like i know you don't have any money and i've been giving you money and like you know doing whatever but like did you do it and he got really mad and ended up leaving and that really like was traumatic for me one I felt violated that like like I felt like my house was broken into you know he told me he didn't do it well years later and I always had the feeling Ryan had something to do with Mm. it I always my brother finally fessed up and he was like Ryan did it and years later years later and I'm like you know, this is my brother. Like, I felt betrayed by him. I'm like, yeah. why are you covering for him? Well, I'm not a rat. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the point. Like, you know, like, everybody in my family made me out to be a bad guy for insinuating that my brother might have done it. But the whole time, he knew. And I just knew in my spirit, like, there was just something happening here. But it made me, like, so paranoid and so freaked out. And I, I, that's when I, when I started drinking. That was it. that was it. Um, it started off really slow, and then it was like I was, I became more and more paranoid, and it was like it was it was turning off the paranoia. I was able to get like a break and just chill, mm-hmm. so I I started drinking, and I was, never was a big drinker before then, at all. Um, and now, now here we are in 2022. Um, I've been to rehab twice in one year. Um, you know, it's it's still a struggle, you know, and I'm still not where I want to be mm-hmm. in regards to that. But, you know, just being able to, like, know that, hey, like, I'm, I'm fighting and I'm trying. You are fighting. Like, it's not... And this sounds cliche, but there's so much truth and power behind it. But it's not how many times you fall. It's how many times you get back up. Mm. You just can't quit. You can't. Yeah. You can't allow yourself to quit. Even even if you, you're having a bad day or, like, five in a row. Whatever it might be. Like, get back up. Like, dig deep, you know. And, like, I'm just finding so much more worth in my own self. I've shut out a lot of... Um, things in life like I don't really hang out with a lot of people I I stay home a lot it's 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 like an isolation almost but like a needed like take a break from the noise kind of thing yeah um and it's 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 had me be in a place where I have time to like sit and think and sit and meditate and like have time to like turn off the noise and like 
hear the voice of God and like allow myself to be encouraged, you know, like sometimes you're going to have people raising your hands with, you know, like holding you up and other times you're going to have to like raise your own hands up and hold them up high. You're not going to have that lay hands on your own head and pray for yourself Mm -hmm. because not, you know, like, so that's just kind of where I'm at. Um, I just find it really interesting, like how my eyes have been opened over the past, I would say really year, um, to starting to love myself more, accept myself, um, give myself credit where it's due. Like it didn't take overnight for me to get to where I'm at. It's going to take time for me to heal. And, um, that's right. You know, you're doing a great job too. Thank you. You are. Did you now? I don't want to pry too much, but did you check yourself into rehab? Mm-hmm. I applaud you. Both for times that. I did. Um, I had gotten the first time I was still working at Prime Storage, mm-hmm. and uh, I had gotten to um, a place where I um, had dated the second guy name Ryan and (laughs) right and it's always like he was like a better looking better version but like still really like narcissistic and toxic and it just happened to be like an old friend co-workers of mine ex and it was just a really entangled situation and it was just like very poor judgment again on my part but he had pretty much like in a really shady way broken it off with me after I had done so much for him and it just felt like such like another I was so used yeah situation and I was like really highly triggered by it and hurt and like I had a blackout one night and I woke up the next morning and my whole back I couldn't walk I was bruised whole side of me was bruised I go into my bathroom my curtains are pulled off like I I don't know what happened I just I know I remember falling and like eventually getting myself up into the bed and at that point, I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, what are you doing, Colleen? Yeah. Like, yeah. and it was one of the scariest things that I ever had to do. It was. It was so scary making the call. And prior to that, like, I was in bed for, like, a whole day, like, contemplating, like, the suicide hotline. You know, like, I, ne- I never felt like I want to kill myself. But I just feel like I don't want to be alive. Yeah. Like, I don't see myself getting to a point where I could take my own life. But it's just like that drudging. It was that feeling of just like, man, like, if I got hit by a bus, you know, just by chance today. Yeah. I'm like, cool. With that. You're fine with the ending. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing keeping you here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, um, I called the place up and within the next day, like I get all packed and, um, I I even drove myself there and, um, it was definitely scary. The second time, you know, well, let me back up from that. Um, when I got released after 28 days, the first thing I did was go to the liquor store. It was like nine in the morning. Okay. That's the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. I was already planning to drink while I was in rehab. Like, I was planning my first drink. It was like I wasn't ready yet, but I was still screaming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it wasn't a waste. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely, like, ingrained some things in me, helped me, um, you know, form relationships with other people that are going through what I was going through. Um it's definitely eye-opening when you can level with people and and it's comforting to know that you're not the only one. Yeah. And you do gain support with addicts and alcoholics, addictions, period, though. That's a very fine line of, like, either we're all really strong in this if we're supporting each other, but you got to have boundaries because if one falls off, mm. it's it's so easy to, like, follow you know, like another person in your, like, social group. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, I just want to applaud you for that because I 
I think even even if you know how much strength and courage it takes to 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 make those steps, like I think it's good to to hear it too, and like how strong you are, you know, and how I think the majority looks at rehab like like you should feel guilty or, or ashamed of yourself for being there and you shouldn't right they make you feel like it's icky like you are less than right and really it's the bravest some of the bravest people i've ever met oh my god you know that yeah. leave you know like leave their kids and their their family um for like a month to go like work on themselves like that's a brave thing to do Absolutely. it's like very honorable mm-hmm. yeah um, that's huge just taking the steps to help yourself that's huge that says a lot about you and you know like going to rehab is like it's such an unknown if it's your first time um you know you pack your bag and you don't you don't know what's lying ahead of you but little do you know it's like 12 hours a day of like groups and meetings okay um you know you do get some downtime here or there but it's not like a you know free-for-all it's very structured it's like you depending on the rehab the first one I went to was like you have to be coming to groups um the second one was a lot more um lenient in certain ways um they let you have your phone like after a certain time of night for like two hours from like seven to nine as for a lot you can you can't have phones or anything like that um, so it really kind of isolates you. It takes you out of the hustle and bustle of, like, life. You feel like you're in a really safe place. You know, you're not worrying about how what how you're going to get a meal on the table because they cook for you. That's nice. So it, it's just nice to, like, if anybody out there who's listening, like, if you ever feel like you need that, like, I encourage to do it because it is a safe place t- to find healing. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't get it right the first time around. Absolutely. It's just, it's a place where you can feel safe. And, um, yeah. I, just, lo- I love that you, you you openly are talking about how, even though you did 28 days in rehab and, and the first day you got out, I think it's really admirable that you talk about that, that you admit, like, look, I wasn't healed immediately. And, like, I still struggled. You know, I still make mistakes, but I didn't give up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think part of it is, like, I just get so sick of my own cycle. And then there's other times where, like, I just give into it, too. Yeah. Um, And I think just, like, my progression over the last year, I've seen how, like, I'm, I'm some of the coping mechanisms that I learned in rehab and, like, recognizing triggers how that really has like allowed me to obtain more sobriety than I had before. Not that I'm completely sober, but, um, I can go days now without drinking. That's awesome. You know, two weeks ago, I unexpectedly lost my job due to my own fault. Um, and I, I, I honestly wasn't happy in that job. And in that moment, it felt like a relief, but then reality sinks in. Like you've got, bills and you've got to find another job and you already have anxiety as it is and it's just like um overwhelming motions when that kind of happens and you know I went eight days after that without a drink like I old me would immediately heard that and ran to the liquor store and got a bottle yeah and just started you know throwing them back and not caring and you know but I made it eight days that was like that's huge for me it was especially after that um so yeah um it's definitely possible don't think you have to have it figured out the first time give yourself credit keep going absolutely that's awesome yeah I I'm so damn proud of you seriously like just talking about it is huge but the steps that you're taking to help yourself, yeah, the self-awareness. I feel like it's it's this is something that I really like didn't know I needed to do until I, I heard your last podcast. It was healing for me to hear you be so raw and just so honest. And um, 
I'm like, it must have been healing for you, too, if it was that much healing for me. Yeah. And I'm like, I need that. Like, I need to get some of this stuff off me. Yeah. And if it can help somebody else or encourage somebody else, like, that much even more is it, like, just so valuable to just be able to, like, share. And you're going to have these feelings overcome you of, like, man, I shouldn't have, you know, shared that. Or or what are people going to think? Like, I have those the thing is like we are all going through things yeah and it's so easy to act perfect and so easy to to you know have small talk make small talk with people and and not be able to really communicate what you're really going through right I think for me personally sometimes it's I don't want to talk about it yeah because I'm already thinking about it so much. The last thing I want to do is talk about it. Yeah. Um, but then, like, there's a moment, like, right now where I'm like, this feels so good yes. to talk about. Like, it's exciting. And I'm like, I don't I don't have shame. I really... That's good. No, nah, I do. I think we... <laughs> okay. All right. There's... Uh, I can unashamedly like talk about like my addiction and stuff it's not a proud thing obviously i'm not like hey alcoholic Ooh. no but it makes sense it's just like through everything you've been through it's just real yeah. you know like i don't want anybody to feel like they have to go through life like not being able to talk about their struggles and that it's taboo it's not taboo it's not. you'd be surprised you would be so surprised about, you know, what people have in their closet, you know? And it's um, a, a book I read a long time ago um, talked about how um, when you keep things in the dark, it's like mold. Ooh. And it, like, grows, you know? Mm-hmm. And we, we've got to bring it to the light, you know? Absolutely. We've, we've got to... Kill it. Yeah. Kill it. <laughs> I like it. You know, we talked a lot, a little bit, actually, about, like, planting seeds and stuff. Yes. And, you know, it was, like, so cool yesterday. Like, we were chatting. No, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Wednesday. Uh-huh. And just, like, how you told me and encouraged me, like, how I was one of the first people that, like, really got through to you um, talking about God. Yes. And, and Christianity and stuff. And I'm, like, you know, like, we don't sometimes... Um, realize the impact we're having and maybe not even that person at the time but it's planting seeds you know 100 it's it and you're not going to see it happen right away but here we are like two years later and you know i know you're going through a really you know big journey right now you know it's an interesting one for you you're like having a lot of faith and you're just like doing you know sure yeah but that's okay right but like there's definitely things that I feel like, you know, even if you don't see it in yourself, you know, I've seen such a growth in you from the conversations we had when we worked together. Absolutely. That were, like, really yeah. private and intimate um, that, that I now hear you sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and you're, like, excited to share. Yeah. And you're, like, screaming it. And I'm, like, loving it. I'm, like, that is so cool. Like, that just yeah. empowers other people, too. Yeah. Like, because it's... It, when you keep it away, you're isolated and you're alone, and it feels like you're alone, but you're never alone. You're never alone, ever. No. And the hard thing is, like, I pushed friends away because I was like, they don't understand what I'm going through. I'm alone in this situation, and they're not going to understand. Maybe they don't understand your particular situation, but they have problems of their own that you don't understand. And, like... When, when people know what you're going through, they they sympathize. They they have empathy for you, and they they want to be there, you know, and they, they don't want you. They care about you. Yeah. And, like, when you have those suicidal ideations, you have those suicidal thoughts, you're like, I'm so alone. I don't want to be here. I have no will to live. There's so many people that care about you other than your family, you know? Yeah. And 
the only thing it takes is just to open up what you're going through that internal world it's hard to be vulnerable yeah um when (laughs) you've just been hurt so much i mean it really is you know we build these there's like unhealthy walls we build in life and there's like really healthy boundaries we can build in life and i feel like i'm at a place where i'm starting to recognize what those look like for me yeah and you know like letting some of those walls down to let people back in and like you know like i have to put myself in other people's shoes when it comes to like when i think about how i care for my friends yeah you know like mm-hmm. they care for me like that too 100%. blood is not thicker than water it really isn't no it's not it's not uh, it, it really is not i've learned that um in my life and um don't i value family don't get me wrong but i'm just saying you know like the 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 love of christ is a lot thicker a hundred percent it's i mean as far as like you know i have all these like godly christians that i love and adore for years and they consider me a part of their family but i i sit here and whine i don't have family but it's like i do and i'm like being really ungrateful and um so it's like I have to take a couple steps back, have some gratitude, see the bigger picture, get out of my woes me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It, it probably doesn't feel good for other people to hear me say something like, nobody cares about me, Ooh. when they're like, we I care. We care so much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man. That hits, that hits home for me, too. It's so easy. Like, those people don't care about me, but they they care a tremendous amount. Right. The Bible says, you know, the first commandment is to love God, and the second is to love your brother as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of times how we portray other people's love for us is how we kind of love ourselves because we're basically thinking... Allowing ourselves to think for them in our head. Yeah. Um, it's like I, you pick out your insecurities. Like I don't like this about myself. I don't like this, and they're probably thinking that. They're probably they probably don't like me for that reason. Yeah, that's so untrue. Like, I think about some people in my life, and like I love people for their quirks. You know, as to where like people probably love me for my awful laugh or something and I just hate it and they're like no that's like what we really love about you yeah 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 I I get that it's so I I I saw something the other day on uh, Instagram someone was like would you rather keep the weirdness in and never find people that love those weird things about you or would you rather just be yourself and discover people who like really love those things about you that you think are just the most weird unattractive qualities oh yeah like i want to like you know that look when you like put the camera up and you're laying down and you're like all chins and like yeah just it's like the worst like mm-hmm. angle ever mm-hmm. like you know i want people to love me when i look like that yes yes <laughs> and the funny thing is they do like, they do they do like they they just see you you know yes um yeah it's mm-hmm. starts with self love man if we can like just really ingrain that like what's something you could do every day that would like boost like some sort of self love in your life like do you like to do like daily affirmations or I can't keep up with those things I will say for me food is a big problem for me because sometimes when I get into like depressive states I don't want to eat so like food's a big thing for me and so I have a a pretty unhealthy relationship with it and uh, buying things that I truly enjoy eating not that not things that make me that are healthy not I'm not purposely trying to you know control my diet I just really like to eat this yeah like I don't know I know that isn't always the best approach but like I have a really a big problem with eating and so like sometimes 
just gotta do that for yourself i i agree with you i have an i've developed some sort of aversion to food with mm -hmm. my anxiety and depression even down to textures um and swallowing it's weird it's like my body's just like doesn't want it right um over these past two weeks i've lost 14 pounds from being i kid you not like i'm i'm okay i mean i'm a chubby girl if y'all know me so like that's cool but it's not the healthy way to do it right and it's been agonizing you know like I want to eat something so bad, and then, like, I'll make something, and I just look at it, and I'm, like, you know, trying to, like, yeah. get it yeah. in my mouth, yeah. and, um, like, I miss that feeling of being able to sit down and, like, enjoy a meal and eat it and be full and, like, not feel guilt about it, and yeah. you just, it's, like, a wholesome feeling, you know? Warm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like, fulfilling. Home-cooked. Yeah. yeah. Hearty. Mm-hmm. I know I get that that's what I don't know I have friends that do like gratitude journals and they'll pick they'll be intentional about it they'll pick 10 things that they're grateful for and why but I I tried that and I like really wasn't for me yeah it wasn't for me I don't, I, I don't think that would be a way for me either um I think a lot of mine is just practicing positive self-talk Ooh, that's a good one yeah like being um aware of when I'm getting negative in my head mm -hmm. and like literally just being like stop it Ooh, yeah you know just cut yourself off hard. and like avert you know it's like changing any habit you know it takes like practice and you know whatever mm -hmm. but positive self-talk yeah I think that's a really good one yeah. or routines too like uh something for your mental physical and uh like I don't know social I guess I don't yeah. know, to get you out like creating some sense of balance in your life yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and that yeah it would be looking different for everybody like I've gotten to a point where it's like I don't really enjoy anything I used to have tons of hobbies I used to love playing the piano yeah. I used to sit there for hours now it's like so hard for me like to even sit there and like you know if I do I'm sitting there for like five minutes and then I'm done mm -hmm. um I try, you know, I used to do, like, upcycling furniture and, like, painting it. Like, I was just so passionate about all sorts of things. Now it's just like, oh, I guess I'll just turn on, you know, something on the TV, you know, and, like, scroll through the phone. This is what life is. Yeah, it's like... Life shouldn't be like this. Yeah, like, watching it, other people enjoy life while you're just sitting on the sideline and... um that's been kind of one of my prayers lately is like god restore my joy restore like my passion for things yes. like just i need a total restoration Ooh. in my life because i feel like you know so much has been stolen from me and like i've made my own bad choices along with that and it's just like you know we are meant to live life and life more abundantly mm -hmm. we we aren't supposed to live in a constant state of despair or fear or anxiety or trauma or whatever you know like there's so much more out there and I do feel like we have to push harder because we are living in a different day and age to get there yeah. you know but I really feel like God is is restoring things in my life and I'm just like here for it yeah I do think that we like when we, when we do go through trauma you have to work twice as hard yeah to get out of that yeah you have a lot of things working against you um it's like the battlefield of the mind you know it's hard we're just like our brains are funny funny things um i don't know i recently i've been trying to really challenge myself and push myself mm -hmm. to do things that like i don't like to do Ooh. Yeah. um i like that mm -hmm. and just telling myself the whole time that I can do this again positive self-talk and one of them has been doing instacart because I haven't been working and like you know I'm got to do something like yes. I hate sitting around here all day um for I mean a lot of times I don't it's like half and half you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'll get a wild hair and I'll go do that and oh girl like I really wanted to break down 
pretty much every one of the deliveries I've done. And I would just get them, you know, into my car because you're shopping all these items and people, everyone likes something different. And you get these orders and you have no clue where it's at in the store and you're like being timed and then you can't find it and your cell phone reception's not working. And, you know, it's like all these like spinning wheels happening at the same time and you get in your car after you get it loaded and like I'm just like I want to break down and I'm like at the verge and like it's like either I I like man up or like I cry right now Mm -hmm. and like I man up and I'm like you can do this man up push yourself (laughs) push push you got this yes you know and then there's such a sense of relief when you drop those groceries off like and then you're sitting there and you accept another one because you're like got a little adrenaline and then you like immediately accept it and then you're like what did I just do and like you're questioning like you know you put on your running shoes tired life again (laughs) but like that's just stuff like that like in this downtime I'm like I've got to like I've really got to push to challenge myself to do the things that because I that is part of like the whole like kind of giving up you know bouncing back I used to be able to do that stuff with ease you know and I was younger and now it's just like I'm this stubborn like donkey that's like just pulling back like you're not getting me to do anything I don't want to do because you've experienced so much bullshit that you're like yeah I'm not I don't want to freaking do that because I've done that before and I know how it plays out and yeah I get it yeah so I think um I'm like cool with where I'm at right now because I'm starting to see changes happening and there's they're really thanks so much for listening to Soul of a Warrior podcast that was part one with Colleen Sheen please check in for part two if you're interested in any apparel my website is www.soulofawarrior.com my Instagram is soul underscore of a warrior thanks for listening